Welcome to Behind the White Code Podcast with your host, Eric Mlara. I originally started this podcast to highlight the stories of those underrepresented in medicine, and while that will still be my focus, I'm expanding my interviews to guests who don't necessarily fall into that category, but still have a unique background and story to share. Today's guest is Dr. Bruno Fernandez, an ophthalmologist who also holds a PhD in visual sciences. Dr. Fernandez is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Carlos Gracie Jr. and has been studying it since he first started at the age of 11 in his hometown of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He has made his name after years of competition and winning four world titles, four Pan American championships, plus national and regional Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments, all while he was still in medical school and residency. He is known as being the grappling coach of former UFC champion George St. Pierre, and even promoting him to black belt. After completing a postdoctoral fellowship in ocular pathology at the prestigious McGill University and ocular oncology at the University of Toronto, he was appointed an assistant professor for the Department of Ophthalmology and Pathology at McGill University, where he worked from 2009 to 2012. He has published over 70 research articles and has co-authored eight book chapters in medical books. Since then, he has left academic life to focus on his career as an entrepreneur and currently manages a network of martial arts schools in Quebec. Please join me as Dr. Fernandez talks to us about getting out of your comfort zone, not being afraid of starting new things and sucking at them, as well as for medical students to not fall into the trap of believing that you have to dedicate 100% of your time to your career and how having a life outside of medicine is not only possible, but necessary. You know, you are a world champion, which I'd like to go back to and talk about that. But what are some common myths or misconceptions people have about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I think the, the I mean, the, the biggest misconception about Jiu-Jitsu and, and pretty much all martial arts, for that matter, is that uh, it, it's that martial arts promote violence. Right? Like, I mean, that people join the martial arts school to learn how to fight, right? And eventually, like, beat other people. And that it's so far from the truth, right? Like, I mean, like, like us uh, do, and, and most people as well, like, I mean, we, we always promote non-violence, right? And, and the more kind of like dive into the, the world of martial arts, the longer you, you, you practice like I mean, any form of martial arts, the more you realize how how stupid it is, you know, like, I mean, to fight in the streets and, and, and what a gamble it is. And most, most likely, you know, like, I mean, things are going, going to go wrong, you know? So I guess that's the biggest misconception there. You know, like, I mean, people should see a martial arts school as a place for people to control aggressions, you know, like if that's what they have in them and also empower uh, the weak, you know. Right. And, you know, I'm still a blue belt, but I've, uh, you know, I've heard from, you know, all the black belts and people who actually know how to fight are probably the ones who are most likely to walk away from a fight. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, exactly. You know, like I, I mean, I've, I've always been pretty peaceful, you know, like I don't, I've never been like in, involved in any, many serious fights. Like, I mean, some, like when I was like a little kid, you know, like, but like that doesn't even count, nothing major. But like, 
you know, I, I, I like I, I grew up in Brazil, right? Like, and Rio can get pretty rough sometimes. So, I mean, I was exposed to violence and fights like happening pretty much all the time around me, and and what I what I came to realize, you know, like I mean, after a while, which is pretty much common sense, you know, like I mean, is that uh, uh, you can't win a street fight, you know, like I mean, so if you get beat up, you obviously lose, but if you if you're the one that beats the other guy up, you know, like you, you, you get yourself an enemy for life, you know, like I mean, if not a lawsuit, or maybe the guy's gonna come back at you with a knife or a gun or something. So it, there's nothing to gain, like I mean, to 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 fight on the street, you know. And uh, people, the smart people, right? Like I mean, they they realize that pretty quick. So every time they they find themselves in a situation that like a uh, you know people might be inclined like to engage in a physical combat like i mean a, a, an experienced fighter will will weigh all that and will kind of like i mean swallow their egos and and walk away that's always the the smart thing to do right and you mentioned you know about ego and i actually would love to talk about that because my perception right of before i even knew about grappling or martial arts was just I don't know why, but I just thought it was just like a bunch of meatheads who like wrestled, right? And then once I started to do it, I realized like these are some of the most like well-balanced people I've ever met. And I played soccer my entire life. And I can say that probably the most egotistical people I know are the ones who played soccer, <laughs> which is kind of funny, right? Like <laughs> probably the most yeah. non-threatening people or have mm-hmm. the biggest ego. So I'd, I'd love to hear your intake about that. Yeah, man, it's usually say that the uh, jiu-jitsu, I'm going to keep mentioning jiu-jitsu because that's the martial art that I have experience on, but not to say that the same kind of philosophy or benefits cannot be achieved like doing other martial arts as well. Uh, so like the, they usually say that jiu-jitsu is, is the most team-oriented sport the most team-oriented individual sport, right? Because, mm, right. you know, like, I mean, it's, it's 100% individual, right? Like, I mean, you're there fighting another person. Uh, there's no one to blame, you know? Like, I mean, if you win, it's your merit. If you lose, it's your fault, right? Uh, but at the same time, you need the support, like, from your team 100%. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere, right? And, and your team depends on you as well, right? Like, I mean, for, for your support. Uh, so, so I think that's great, you know, like, uh, uh, because there is a good balance of like responsibility and like, I mean, for the outcome, but also, uh, uh, that sense of community, you know, like, I mean, for your training and, and, and ultimately how good you're going to become, uh, for team sports, usually, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like, I mean, sometimes you win because of your team, but you know, like, I mean, you didn't contribute as much, right? So you just rode along there can be like a little bit of resentment, you know, like in between like team players, you know, like I was like, oh, I'm working harder than you and, you know, we're achieving the same results, right? Because we're on the same team or or like a player that becomes like a star and start thinking that the whole team sort of should work for him, you know? So uh, it, it creates a weird dynamics, especially when you add those things that like, like people are cut from the team if they don't kind of like make a certain standard. So like, I mean, even though they are super, supposed to be on the same team they're actually competing with one another all the time right i mean because they want to be the best and they want to be cut from the team so it's it's uh, uh it's weird in that regard you know like i mean which is kind of like I mean, why i never liked so much like team sports i always preferred like i mean uh, 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 a, a sport where 
my outcome was directly linked like to my own effort you know like and so uh, and i think you need to check all the boxes in that regard right right and you know you're talking about competition and i actually saw your ted talk you know titled collaboration and community and in there yeah you know you, you talk about competition and you know especially in the u.s there's like so much competitiveness right in every aspect i mean i love that you mentioned how even like being kind and altruistic has become a competition like you know who's going to be the better person and you like put other people down because of that so i was wondering if you could you know maybe talk a little bit about you know what you said in your ted talk and about competition yeah so the the theme of that talk was uh, uh actually the theme of that that tedx uh, event was the creation right so create zero to one so every every speaker were describing like uh, what they went through, like I mean, to create something. I kind of like use my experience as a martial arts school owner, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't create a martial arts school. You know, like I mean, I I, I believe that I created a community, and uh, and and the, the jujitsu was was a tool, right? Like I mean, to bring people together it was an excuse, it was a shared passion, uh, to to have people from all different backgrounds. Uh, work towards the same goal, right? Which which is to become better fighters, you know, and uh, and there's no way to do that alone, you know. Like and so you 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 depend on your teammate. Your teammate depends on you, and uh, of course, like we are fighting, and when we are matched against each other, we want to win. But you know, like if your opponent does not improve, your own uh, improvement is capped. You're just as good as a fighter as the team that you you're 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 training with, right? Like I mean, so the, the best way for you then it's like to nurture like I mean the people around you, so they grow with you and and all that goodness will keep pushing you you higher, right? If you get that mentality of like I mean just just focusing on yourself and not helping anyone out. Uh, you know, like, I mean, your development is capped, right? Yeah, you can always go somewhere else, you know, like, I mean, but there's a limit, right? Like, I mean, to where you can go, you know? And also, you know, like, I mean, how how people are going to accept you, you know, like, I mean, so you, you once they realize, you know, like, I mean, that you keep jumping ship, you know, like, I mean, when, when that one is not good for you anymore, right? Eventually, you're going to see that, like, okay, he's, he's here just to use us, and eventually he's going to go somewhere else, so why would they help him, you know? So that that uh, that might work once or twice, but like, I mean, it's a pretty tight community, you know. Like I mean, the martial arts one. So eventually, people are gonna spot that behavior, and and uh, you're not gonna be well seen, you know. Like wherever you go. What have you seen? Maybe some differences or similarities with like medicine and you know being part of the jujitsu community, both as like you know a competitor, and you um, started your own school as or like you said your own community, and you know the medical field especially here in the U.S., it's very competitive, right? Even from, like, an undergrad and medical school, like, you know, you want to be the top, you get, you know, best scores or the best residency. So everyone is, like, trying to be the best, right? And sometimes it can be, you know, very cutthroat. So I'd like to see, like, you've been a part of both, right, at high levels of jiu-jitsu and also in medicine. So, like, what are some things that you saw between the two? Yeah, you... Everything you said that was right, you know. Uh, one thing that you know like we we learn and try to enforce, you know, like uh, in in sports and particularly martial arts, is the it's like a certain code of honor. You know, like uh, 
you or, or sportsmanship you know like i mean if, if you want to call it that way uh so like winning is not enough you know like i mean so you really want to you want to respect like uh, the rules of the sport that you know like i mean you you're representing you want to you want to respect your your opponents or teammates you know like so uh ultimately you want to become a better person right like i mean so the the sport that you're practicing it's just a tool right like i mean but you you, you, you the the legacy that you're going to leave behind it's like i mean how good a person that you've been uh, despite of uh, all the achievements right and uh you 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 usually have like a system that kind of supports you, you know, like we have people rooting, rooting for you, right? Like, I mean, your teammates, you know, like, or, or your mentor or your coach or your teacher. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's very supportive, you know, like, uh, and, and, and necessary, like in a way. And I think that lacks like in, in medicine, you know, it's almost, uh, I mean, our, our other, I mean, other academics are there, like kind of trying to like put the rug off you, you know, like, I mean, so they have like better, better grades, uh, or they get that spot like under the wings of a, kind of like like famous surgeon before you do, and and like the doctors there, like they're like above you, like they are not really nice like to you most of the time, right? It's not that easy like to find a mentor like to that will be there like uh, thinking about. Uh, uh, your your progress right as a doctor and willing to uh, to teach you you know like no strings attached uh i mean I, I was very lucky to have like i mean a few very important mentors like in my career so i i i know how useful they were and i cannot even imagine like not having like their support you know but I know that a lot of people don't have it, right? And so they are left like out in the woods there on their own to, to carve their own niche and eventually their career. And uh, and, and the problem of all that, like just to conclude that thought, is it's it's sort of like a vicious circle, you know, because once that person went through all that and he becomes a, a very successful doctor surgeon, unfortunately, like most people are not likely to treat the 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 next generation any better you know it's like oh if i've been through all that you have to go through all that too you know so uh, it's it's kind of like a bit of a pessimistic view of how things like uh, are and, and will continue to be but i unfortunately think that's the truth right yeah definitely and you know medicine definitely has like these hierarchies right of like med student and then the resident and then the attending and you you know like you said people above you are usually like mean to you and kind of put you down. And it's just like a vicious circle. And, you know, jujitsu also has hierarchies as well with like belts, right? So like white belt to black belt. And, you know, I haven't been doing it too long, you know, compared to you, just the blue belt. But what I noticed was like the higher belts were always so respectful to us and so down to earth and willing to teach us. What are some similarities you've seen with like the hierarchies of jujitsu and medicine and um, what are some differences and maybe what can medicine learn from jiu-jitsu with the system that's in, uh, instilled in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, it's like, we do have hierarchy, right? I mean, it's just the same, uh, not only in terms of belt progression, but also in, uh, on the role of uh, different people inside the same school, right? Like, so right. you have the beginner, you have the advanced, you have the competitor, you have the instructor, uh, you have the manager, you have the school owner, you know, like, so you have all those, those different roles that are played by different people. But one thing that, you know, like, I mean, once you step in, you know, like you're a completely newbie, right? So you, mm -hmm. you know nothing at all. And 
you're not a threat, right? I mean, and you probably never will be. So <laughs> we, we, we don't treat you as one. All right, I mean, so it's it's almost like holding a kid's hand, like like I mean, let me let me help you out here, you know, and uh, and and the good thing about jujitsu is that the progress is so quick in the beginning, you know, like I mean, so you learn a few tricks and kind of like the world just opens up to you, you know, you start like seeing like how able you are and 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 how how empowering it is, like I mean, for you to start fighting a guy that's stronger than you, or 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 for a woman to defend themselves against a man, you know. And then you're so grateful for those people that helped you in the beginning, and that creates a, a super healthy bond, you know. And that is, and that's very rewarding for the person that helped as well, right? Like I mean, so, 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 so the people helping you in the beginning, of course, they're being very altruistic, but it, it is, it is pretty cool as well, you mm-hmm. know. Like I mean, so they they get a little bit of reward just by seeing you progress, and. Uh, and another thing that motivates them to help is that it's something that we actually try to to instill on on, on every member is that like I mean, moving up the food chain, uh, it's not uh, uh, it's not a given, you know. Like I mean, it's uh, it's a responsibility, right? Of course, you enjoy, you know, like I mean, uh, a lot of perks, you know, like I mean, from from being better and and having more responsibilities at the school, but like I mean, you also have you're going to use the same word here. You also have the responsibility of uh, representing not only the team itself, but the, the, the sport of jiu-jitsu, right? Because that person that joined the school there last month, like the, the experience that they have with jiu-jitsu, it's the experience that they have at our school, you know? So if we don't do a good job showing them good jiu-jitsu, they might not give jiu-jitsu another try at all. You know, like I mean, some people are like, oh, I don't like this school. I'm gonna try another one. You know, but a lot of people might say it's like mm, maybe jujitsu is not for me. You know, so I think that's very sad. You know, like because like I mean, we we we're just preventing that person from enjoying all the benefits that jujitsu bring to their lives. You know, like I mean, just because we fail at uh, at taking care of them in the, on the early stages of uh, of their life. You know, like as a fighter, so. So yes, yeah, so like there is I mean, many reasons why, like I mean, the the most advanced uh, fighters in a, in a in a given gym will be kind to you. You know, like I mean, one is people have been kind to them in the beginning, so they're much likely uh, to retribute the favor. Uh, they feel good about like helping you and seeing you progress, and uh, hopefully by the time they get there, they will have that sense of responsibility towards their team and towards like the art of jujitsu as well. I'd actually like to go back to um, when kind of you uh, you went to medical school, right? So you went to medical school in Brazil, and then you went and did your residency at McGill University. Is that correct? Uh, did my medical school in Brazil in, in my residency as well? Oh, okay, residency. Yeah, uh, I moved to Canada after that. Okay, so you moved, but you're still competing while you're in medical school. Yeah, I uh, I I pretty much got most of my titles like uh during medical school that is insane yeah. because i feel like yeah. most medical students like can't even go to the gym or will find like an excuse right because we have to study in this that but you're competing yeah. at like the highest level of jujitsu, right so can you i mean can you talk about that how you were in medical school and you won um the the world championships is that correct i got uh 
like from 1997 1996 was the first world championship ever right like and uh, and i was there but i i lost in the quarterfinals uh and then 1997 i i closed the division with a friend uh in 1998 1999 i was i was uh i was the champion 1990 geez, it's been so long <laughs> <laughs> uh i think i think two thousand I, I closed the division again with uh, another teammate and then uh, i got third on the following year and then on my last two years competing in the awards i lost in the quarterfinal again so i i i i, I went to the podium uh, five times and uh and the other three times i, I lost in the quarterfinals and all that was either during the medical school or uh during residency which was actually way more challenging. Right. And, uh, you know, for the listeners who don't know, like this isn't just like any type of tournament, right? This is the highest level of jujitsu that you can possibly do in terms of yeah, competition. Those are, those are the world championships. I also competed everywhere else. Like I was, I was a Pan American champion like three times uh, during medical school. I competed after and got another title, but during medical school, I won two twice. And uh, a few national titles, state champions, like matched fights. Like I was, I was pretty, I was a pretty active competitor. So, can you give us maybe some tips of being? I mean, maybe not all of us are going to be world champions, but how do you have that level of like discipline and I guess like time management of being a world champion and competing at the highest level, but also being at the highest level in terms of like academics, in terms of medicine and residency. Like, how uh, do you do that? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not magic, man. I got to tell you, you know, like, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all a matter of logistics. Uh, you really have to have the logistics, you know, like, there are, are, are needed. Like, I mean, for you to train and study at the same time. And some of that, it's, it's, a, it's all on you, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, no one can go there, put the gear and go train. But a, a lot of it, man, and a big chunk of it will depend on other people. You know, like I mean, so you you do need quite a network of support, you know, like in order to to able to achieve that. Uh, and frankly, like at that time, I wasn't really aware. You know, like I mean, I think we can say that I took that for granted. You know, like uh, not not that I. I wasn't grateful for all that, you know, it's just that I was too focused on, on my role, mm. on all that, you know, like, I was okay, like, uh, that's what I need to do. That's, that's what I'm going to focus on. Everything else was kind of taken care of, you know, but now that I'm, 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 I'm kind of like a coach or a teacher, you know, like I'm, I'm more focused on giving my students like those, those conditions, you know, like, and creating that network of support that they will need, you know, like I mean, in order for them to be their best, right? Like, I mean, so I keep remembering all the things that uh, I had there that I wasn't kind of like consciously aware of, you know, like, but were like so crucial, like for me to achieve what I did. Uh, so basically, you know, like I mean, my family was very supportive, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. my my father does jujitsu as well, and uh, he, he it was never a, a question that kind of like, oh, you're gonna train, maybe you should study, you know? Like I mean, it was actually usually the opposite. Uh, and I, I was living very close to the gym, like literally two blocks away. Like I mean, so there's no time lost commuting, you know, or taking public transport and wasting hours, you know, like in a bus or a train. 
Uh, my school happened to be the best one in the world, you know, like, I mean, so that kind of helps as well. Not only it was close to me, but I was training every day with the best in the world, you know, so, so I couldn't ask like for more. Uh, maybe if I didn't have all those great partners to train with, I, I wouldn't have achieved like I mean the, the the results I did. I mean I didn't have any distractions, you know, if you can put it that way. Like in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, I wasn't married. I, I didn't have kids. You know, um, I mean I, I was my my medical school was public, so I didn't need like a side job to pay for it. Uh, at the time, I was still living with my parents, so like not a lot of bills to pay. You know, like so. Uh, all, all that helped as well. So basically, you know, like all I had to do was to study and train, you know, which which it really wasn't that hard, you know, when I look back. My life hard now is a hundred times harder. <laughs> like, I mean, married kids and businesses, you know, like, I mean, so uh, it was great, man. You know, like, I mean, so people say, ask, like, oh, how hard it was. You know, it's kind of like, oh, it's like answering that you know because it's kind of like man it wasn't that bad you know? right right like i mean life, life was actually great like i mean i would i would, I would spend like an eight to five you know like i mean at, at at the medical school and then come back home like pack my gi go to the gym train for one hour come back you know like i mean i i wasn't just i wasn't i mean on my end then like if you can uh, jump to that what I was doing is that like no time wasting you know it's just I would get home and go to the gym right away you know like I mean no snacking no turning on TV we didn't have internet at that time so that helped right? mm. like I mean no smartphones social media like no nothing like that so I was just go straight to the gym get my hour of training come back and uh and all like i mean just eat and and sleep you know like i mean so during the week that was my routine you know like i mean so was nothing i wasn't i wasn't going like for for beers with friends or like so during the week i was i was very disciplined and then weekend was time to play and that's important as well right like, i mean uh you gotta balance things out you know so so yeah so basically that was that was kind of like how it was done you know like i was uh you, Studying, studying it during the day, training at night, uh, and, and that worked. So, when did you stop competing at like the high level? So you said probably around um, like two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's been a long time, you know. Like, but it was around when I when I finished my medical school and I started doing residency in ophthalmology, mm -hmm. uh, I I slowed down a lot. You know, uh, I continued training just as much. But uh, it, it was a bit trickier, you know, because like, I was doing a lot of surgeries back then. And as you know, like, I mean, eye surgery is very, uh, very delicate, right? right. And uh, when you do that kind of, and, and jujitsu, we use a lot of grips, right? Like, I mean, it's, I think it's the, it's the sport that uses the forearm muscles the most, mm. you know, like, I mean, I saw an article about that uh, someday, like, I mean, so anyway, like, I mean, when you use your forearms that much, you know, like, I mean, it's very hard to do fine movements right after, right? right. So if I had done jujitsu the night before and I would have surgeries the day after, that was very challenging, you know, like, I mean, so I had to be careful there of like booking my OR time, uh, you know, in, in days that I wouldn't train the day before. So I always try like to put my OR times on Monday. Because I wasn't training on the weekends, right? 
And then, uh, but of course, that wasn't always possible, you know, like because you know, like when you're resident, especially in the beginning, you know, you don't have much of a say. Right. Uh, so, like, if my OR would end up in another day of the week, I would not train the day before, you know, like I mean, so so I would cut one day of training. So when you're when you're fighting at that level, you no, know, any any day of training that you miss. It, it's you know like I mean it's one day of training that your opponent would have over you you know right. so so that doesn't help and kind of like my focus started shifting a bit you know like I mean I was getting close to jumping into the market and uh, and I started at least at that time you know, like I mean I didn't think I would I would leave off jujitsu you know like uh, so. I, my mind was started to go somewhere else, you know, like I mean, I had already won a bunch of world championships, so it didn't matter as much to me anymore, like I mean, so the first, the second man, it meant the world to me, literally, you know, mm-hmm. like I mean, I, was, I would go in a tournament, I was, was kind of like, you know, do or die, you know, like I mean, I would get hurt, like didn't care, I wanted that medal. But after, you know, like I mean, I was there and just like, man, I'm not going to be competing for the rest of my life. Like, if I get hurt now, I have a bunch of surgeries, you know, like scheduled like this week that I wouldn't be able to do, you know, like, so is it really worth it? Like, I mean, and that thing started like, I mean, uh, that, that feeling started to grow on me. And, you know, you, you, it, it doesn't help. You no, know, you can't have that. Right. Uh, one of the things that high-level athletes will tell you, if you ask them, it's that you, know, you, you gotta have your heart and mind like 100% into the game, and 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 winning the game should be the most important thing in your life. You know, like more important than, than family or anything else. For the, at that moment, right? right. Uh, if you're not 100% in it, like you're not gonna win because the other guy is, and that's what I was at at that time you know like i remember like my last world championship i was i was sitting there and the on, like waiting for my my quarterfinals and, and i had been hurt some on the on the on the round before and i was gonna fight like the guy that was actually the world champion you know like i mean he beat me and i was there like thinking like man what i'm doing here you know <laughs> i just busted my shoulder i'm fighting like you know like i mean the, the i mean the, the biggest up-and-comer and and you know uh was this marcelo like, garcia yeah yeah that was marcelo garcia he's now considered probably the best guy ever you know like i mean and uh and i was there about to fight him and uh, was, uh, that was his first world title actually and uh and i was like man it's time to pass you know like the the, the baton there you know like uh, i think i did my time here so you're gonna fight marcelo garcia who's probably considered one of the best the day before surgery yeah exactly it was that <laughs> monday and i was kind of like man i have surgeries tomorrow you know like i mean i was there like really fighting hard to like i mean to focus on 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 the fight and and not on my on the week to come you know like i mean so that was that was a moment there that i realized that you know like i mean i would i should probably not fight at that level anymore i continue to fight and compete but like not at at that level you know like i mean i wasn't i wasn't there anymore right was that transition hard for you from going from just being an ultra competitor to focus more on uh, like your schoolwork or medicine uh like no because it was it was the time right it wasn't right. kind of like an abrupt decision i wasn't forced to you know like if that transition had happened a few days before a few years before mm-hmm. and i was feeling that man i think i have another year in me i, I could be the champion again you know, like something like that but i have my career can afford you know like so uh that would have been harder but like because i was 
I had already achieved like enough, you know, like, or at least for me, I was, I was happy, you know, like with what I had achieved already. Uh, I, I was, I was kind of like, you know, like in peace with moving mm -hmm. on to a, to a different phase of my life. You know? Right. Which was medicine. And how did you get into medicine? Was that something you've always wanted to do? Uh, my, both of my parents are doctors, right? Like, so I guess that is the easy answer. Uh, you know, I was, they didn't force me to do medicine, but I was exposed to, to medicine like very early, you know, um, they would take me to the hospital, you know, like, I mean, so, so I mean, it was, it was a family affair, mm -hmm. like, I mean, medicine. So that was, that was kind of like the natural choice. Uh, I, I really didn't think about anything else, to be honest, you know, like, I mean, so it was, was, a, was pretty easy. The only doubt I have, like, I once considered doing a phys ed, uh, because I, I always liked sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it would make sense. But, uh, like, my father told, told me something that made a lot of sense at that time, you know, like, when I was kind of, like, in doubt. Like, mm -hmm. he said, like, look, if you start phys ed now and you change your mind, you want to do medicine, you're going to have a hard time transitioning. But... If you do medicine now and then you decide to do phys ed, you can be like, you can do sports medicine, you know, mm -hmm. and then be involved in sports, you know, because I was, I was a good student back then. So I had all the grades to do, to go into medicine. So it would be foolish, you know, like, I mean, to not to, to, to use those, uh, those credentials and, 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 and go for, aim for something lower. Right. And so, you know, you're talking about, you wanted to do maybe like phys ed or sports medicine. So how did you get into ophthalmology? So my father, my mother was an ophthalmologist, okay. right? So uh, I, I, when I started doing doing medicine, I, I mean, a few years into it, I kind of gave up that idea of doing sports medicine. To be honest, you know, that uh, that was was through for about like the first or second years of medical school. You know, like I was really studying like a lot of like I mean, physiology of the sport and whatnot. But then the moment I started doing surgeries, man, I fell in love with that, you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, so I really liked that, that kind of like hands-on, you know, like, I mean, approach and how the results were so quick. So I, I, I hadn't made up my mind that I wanted a surgical specialty. So then I started like eliminating, you know, like all the, all the surgical specialties that I did not want to do, you know, like, and so I ended up with like two or three that I could do and ophthalmology was one of those. And because, you know, like, I mean, I would have a foot in already, like, I mean, because of my mother, like, the decision was, again, like, fairly easy. Mm -hmm. So when did the move to uh, Canada happen, and how did that happen? So after I finished my residency, it's fairly common, right, like, for people in Brazil to move abroad and do, like, fellowships uh, uh, before moving back to Brazil and start their careers. So I, I had already that plan of uh, spending a year somewhere else, somewhere. Um, so what I did, like uh, specifically, was uh, I enrolled in a in a PhD program at a university in Brazil that uh, has an agreement with McGill University in Montreal, Canada. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way it works, like, and you basically enroll on the PhD there. Uh, you 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 go to the 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 affiliated university, which in this case was McGill, and then you do all your research, all your credits there. And then you go back and defend your your thesis right, and, and write it right. So so that's kind of like how I end up in Montreal, Canada. I, the specialty I chose was uh, ocular pathology. Mm -hmm. So we, so McGill has probably the best uh, lab in the world. 
and and so that's kind of like where I went to and uh, and at that time I also did a fellowship right like I mean a clinical and research fellowship in ocular pathology and uh like a year and a half, two years after, I went back to Brazil to defend my thesis and I got my title. So that's kind of like how my, my, my story in Canada started. And the plan was exactly that, just to go back, you know, like, and, uh, and then start my, my career. But I, I started kind of enjoying research a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty hard to do research in Brazil. You know, it's very underfunded. So... We, we talked about staying another year and doing a postdoc like uh, fellowship, you know, like which I did. And then after that, I I was started to like Montreal as well, you know, like I mean, so I, I was <laughs> <laughs> started to think about just, just staying here for good, you know. So I went to Toronto and I did a clinical and research uh, fellowship at the at the University of Toronto in, in oncology, right, which is usually a good complement for pathology, pathology and oncology. A lot of people do those two fellowships together. Right. And, uh, and then on the way back to Montreal, I was, uh, I was appointed a, a, a assistant professor, like for the departments of pathology and uh, ophthalmology as well. You, like you said, you ended up staying there. That wasn't part of the plan. Was yeah, no. opening a school ever part of the plan, whether it was in Brazil or... In, uh, in Brazil, Montreal? never. No, in Brazil, never. Like jiu-jitsu wasn't pretty big back then. Like I mean, there wasn't anybody making a living off jiu-jitsu. No, it was kind of like a like a side passion for everybody. Everybody's had a a, a main job. Uh, so yes, I never dreamed of uh, making a living off jiu-jitsu. So, but when I moved here, like things were diff- very different. Right? Like I mean, so jiu-jitsu was literally exploding uh, because of UFC, George St. Pierre, and whatnot. And uh, so there was a, a huge market like for that, you know, like, and I mean, given my, 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 my ranking, you know, like uh, it was kind of like a natural thing for me to open a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the second highest uh, uh, teacher you know, like in Canada and, and the most accomplished, you know, like as far as competitions goes. So, I mean, why not? Right. So I, 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 as soon as, you know, like, I mean, I, I started that position at McGill, I was kind of like, okay, Montreal will be my home now. Uh, I mean, I want to continue to train Jiu Jitsu, you know, like, so I opened like a school for me, you know, like, I mean, at the beginning it was basically just a hobby. Uh, as long as my expenses were paid, I was happy, you know, like I basically just wanted a place to train friends, you know. Uh, so that was my life for a few years, you know, like I would be an assistant professor at the university during the day and uh, a teacher, like I mean, a jiu-jitsu teacher at night. Right? So that worked well for a while. Right. But, so you, uh, <laughs> you were an ass- yeah. assistant professor and at night you were training uh, world champions, right? So <laughs> you mentioned... UFC champion George St. Pierre, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, right? But like, how was that training uh, GSP? Because you're the one who gave him his black belt. I, I mean, George's a good friend, you know, like uh, we train a lot together, like me and, and everyone else from his camp there at TriStar. I was, I, was, I was teaching there for a while before I opened my own school. Uh, you know, like I met him before he became like the George Saint Pierre, right. right? I mean, so uh, he was just just another student, you know. Like I mean, I mean, he was a very remarkable student, you know. We can get to that, but uh, uh, he wasn't famous at all, you know. Like I mean, so he was was just just a friend, and then he became like huge, you know. And and with with that, you know, like I mean, I I obviously 
you know, like got a little bit of that exposure as well, you know. But uh, it was was fun, man. You know, he's he's a great student and you know, like a great athlete. And uh, I was helped, you know. I was, I mean, I'm I'm happy to to have contributed a bit to to his career. Of course, I wasn't the only one. He has like a ton of other instructors, including other jujitsu instructors. You know, like they're very influential on his career as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no. I, sometimes I would feel like like Superman or something, you know. Like I mean, that kind of like go in a phone booth and like change and like I mean, come out a completely different person, you know. So <laughs> like, I just like put a suit and tie and like come to the gym and just put a gi on and then uh, like I mean, shower and then put a suit and tie again and go back to the to to the university, you know. So but well, it was fun in a way. But yeah, because I feel uh, like most people, or at least like most physicians or people working, right, they take their suit off and they'll do maybe some hobby or just stay yeah. at home. But you're changing into your gi um, and competing at you know still training at a high level and you know training a lot of a lot of champions too in jujitsu and and mixed martial arts. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty incredible that you're able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, we have a lot of doctors, man, like training with us, you know, like, I mean, it's funny, doctors, researchers, you know, like people from my guild that uh, that I knew, like during my time there. Oh, really? And, uh, it's, it's like that thing, you know, like, I mean, they, they, they know me, right? Like, so that misconception that we talked in the beginning about like martial arts schools being like very like dangerous and unfriendly places, uh, uh, they didn't have that misconception anymore, right? Because they knew me, so they mm. kind of like that. The initial barrier wasn't there, so so once they joined, that they saw, they're like, okay, that's actually a pretty cool place, and then they stayed, right? And uh, so I have, man, I have a few like doctors that are like supermans now, you know, like I mean, they're the ones that come in a suit and tie and and uh, and uh, and then put the gear on like everybody else and, and they fight hard. <laughs> was yeah. it like that before, before like jujitsu kind of exploded? Like, were there a lot of doctors or? Yeah, like the funny thing about the story of jujitsu is that like in the very beginning, you know, uh, it was a very elite sport. You know, like, I mean, there was, like, one school in Rio, and uh, there was only private classes. It was super fancy, marble floors. Uh, like, the geese would be there, nicely cleaned and ironed, you know. So you'd show up, get your gear train, leave your gear there. They would wash and iron for you, you know. Uh, you'd have, like, presidents and lawyers and, like, only, like, the the, the, the very uh, top uh, uh high earners you know like that would be able to afford jiu-jitsu but uh eventually you know like more people started teaching jiu-jitsu for the masses right like and charging less and they started doing group classes and look and that's when it became it became popular right but uh uh when i started you know like i mean so fast forward there like a, a few dozen years there were people competing like myself you know like i mean but it was the minority you know like you'd have maybe three percent of of the students in the in a given school that would like competition most people would take jujitsu just as a hobby right so mm-hmm. yes you would have man you would have doctors lawyers you know like and, and, and uh, entrepreneurs and and then highly active and like like people that you wouldn't believe you know like i mean they would do jujitsu and they would they would you very consistent uh, practitioners, right? And you uh, mentioned that you knew, you know, GSP before he was like, you know, the UFC champion and like the famous GSP now. So, like, what are some differences that you saw that he did 
as opposed to all the other students around him? He, uh, oh man, that can be a long answer, but I'll try to, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make it short. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like, okay, like he would listen, you know, like, I mean, he wouldn't question, right? Like, I mean, so if I would show a move, he would do that move, you know, like, I mean, so even if he didn't agree on that move, he would do it anyway, you know? I think that in his mind, uh, he was kind of like, man, if he's showing me that move, even if I don't agree, he know what he's doing, I'm going to experience that anyway. You know, like, I mean, I'll think about that after, but I'm not going to be questioning the guy, you know, like, I mean, which is the smart thing to do. Uh, uh, he would practice whatever move I would show him, even if it was like a, the most basic one. And a lot of students wouldn't have that. Right? Like, I mean, it was a very diverse group. So I would have him as the UFC champ and I would have like a white belt that was doing the first class and uh, in the same class. And, and. I would show, show like a basic move first and then I would start like increasing the complexity, right? Like, I mean, to please everybody. Uh, and, and then sometimes I would see like beginners, they would do the easy move like two, three times, they would stop. Like, I mean, just waiting for the fancy stuff. And and he would just keep doing that thing, man, for like forever. No, if mm -hmm. I didn't tell him to stop, like he wouldn't stop, you know? <laughs> uh, he, would, he was very focused. He he tries to think about all the aspects of his training, right? I mean, so not only like uh, training hard, right? like I mean, so he tries to train broadly, you know, like I mean, learn as many things as possible, practice them all, like I mean, really focus on the strategy part of the game, make sure he has time to heal, eat better, you know, like I mean, so he has like nutritionists help him out, or like a physical therapist that see him on a on a very regular basis, not only when he gets hurt, uh, and all like, so he really invested, like, I mean, in, in, in him as an asset, all right? Like, and I don't see a lot of fighters like doing that, you know, like, I mean, they really kind of like, I mean, push their bodies to the limit and usually they break before they, they, they become great. So this is just some of the things that, uh, that he did, you know, like, I mean, among others, right. which when you think about it, you know, it's a very common, uh, uh recipe. You know, like, I mean, that, uh, that kind of like, uh, other great athletes from other sports will, will do as well. You know, like, I mean, if you read the biography of Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, or, you know, like, I mean, whatever outlier in any sport, you would see, I mean, uh, a very, a very distinct pattern. Right. And I'm sure yourself, right. You could speak about that just from your own personal experience, right. Of of everything you just talked about, like the discipline. Um, I mean, you were competing, uh, you were a world champion and competing at a high level um, while doing residency. So like, it's, it's hard just to do even one of those, right? So, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times, but like maybe for you, like what was like the hardest part of your jujitsu experience, your jujitsu career so far? Um, or what are some new challenges you've, you've experienced? Uh, I think every phase has a different challenge, right? Like uh, when you're when you're competitive, I think the most challenging thing is to stay healthy, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, like it's so easy to get hurt, man. You know, so you're pushing your body to the limit, you know, like so that that's a that's a big challenge. And usually, when you're competitive, I know you're quite young as well. You know, like I mean, early twenties or whatever. So there's so many distractions, man, at that age. So it's it's a it's a it's a challenge to keep your your mind in the right place, you know, like and, and not deviate from from your goal. Uh, I, I, when I 
I think my biggest challenge now, you know, like it's to be a leader in, in my school, you know, so I don't only lead my school, I also kind of like oversee other uh, six school owners and we have eight schools in total, right, I mean, here in the province of Quebec. So I have sort of like a, a hierarchy under me, right, so I have me, I have other school owners, I have like teachers on those schools, I have assistant structures, managers, you know, and, and of course, like the students under them all. So it's, it's, it does a lot of pressure, you know, like, I mean, to, to make sure that I'm setting the right example and um, I'm being a good mentor and I'm, I'm giving them the, the opportunities that they need and creating the, the an environment, you know, like that will, will help them achieve their own goals and, and become their, their own best, you know, so that's, that's kind of like the, the, what it's hard about right now, you know, like I, I don't, it's not only about me, you know, like, I mean, it's not like just, oh, I just need to become a good fighter, you know, like, I mean, I need to, the, the, the variables and the metrics that I use to define my own success now are actually like other people, you know, mm. so it is, it is pretty tricky. Right. So, kind of just shifting into more of a leader role has been like a huge challenge for you now. Or uh, So what are some things maybe that, you know, you could share with me about maybe being like a new leader since I'm kind of starting on my career, right, as a, as a medical student. So what are some things that you've learned along the way that I could use? Yeah, I, I man, like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't have all the answers yet. You know, like <laughs> being on that role, I'm still maybe a blue belt. You know, like I have so much to learn. Uh, but one of the things I learned already, you know, it's, I mean, actually one of the things that helped like I mean, me on that role is that, for example, when I was still in the university, uh, like I would, I would, uh, I mean, it wasn't just the suit that I was switching, right? Like, I mean, my role was switching big time as well. So like, I mean, in my own school, I was basically on the top of the food chain, right? Like, I mean, I was a leader there. Mm -hmm. But in university, I was pretty much on the bottom of the food chain. So I was, I was being led, you know, like, so to play both roles, I think was, was very good for me, you know, like, because I could put myself on their shoes. You know, like, so when I was being the leader, I, I kind of like have a pretty good idea of how the people under me would feel, you know, because when I would be at the university, I would be them, right? Like, so... Uh, likewise, when I was at the university, I could imagine the pressure that my leaders there were exposed to. So I had a much easier way, like sympathizing, like I mean, with, uh, with with them, you know. So, uh, so now that's kind of like what I what I try to do, you know. Like I mean, so yes, I mean, maybe I'm the leader now, but I try to remember what it was, you know. Like I mean, to be. Uh, on their shoes because I, I mean I'm, I mean I, I'm still am a school owner you know uh, I still teach you know mm -hmm. and uh, I've been a student before you know like so I've been a competitor before so luckily I played all the roles that uh, a jiu-jitsu fighter practitioner can play right I mean in their life cycle so I try to to remember you know what it was so when I when I give orders or you know like I mean when I when I set some goals. Uh, I try not to expect anything from them that it's not realistic. And of course, you know, like, I mean, I try to, 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 to be kind of like a good example, you know, like, I mean, I, I leading by example, that's kind of like my, my, my style, you know, it, it ain't easy. I'm not perfect, but 
it, in a way, it's a good thing for me because it puts a little pressure, you know, like for me to, to make the right choices and do the right things. Right. That's such an interesting perspective of going from being the leader of your school and having a lot of people under you, right? But then switching into your suit and you're kind of just at the bottom of the food chain. I feel like a lot of people don't have that experience. So it's very unique because I feel like once you get to the top, you kind of forget, right, how it was on your first day. So like attendings, right, will kind of forget how it was to be a medical student. So maybe we should have all the attendings go to jujitsu and they'll be at the bottom <laughs> of the food chain. <laughs> yeah. What I what I recommend and I can I keep trying to do is just like start new things, you know, and start new hobbies, right? Like uh and then you see how much you suck, you know. So like a, like someone in jujitsu or, or like a, a, a very successful doctor, you know, like I mean it's so easy for to 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 kinda like, you know, um fall into that trap right like and believing what people say you know like i mean it's like oh you're so great oh you're such a good doctor oh you're so successful look at the size of your clinic look at how many word titles you have right mm -hmm. and then you start believing all that crap you know like i mean and you start thinking that you're good at everything but you know, like knowledge is very specific right and and like i mean if you if you start to venture out of your comfort zone you would see like how much you suck and uh and that's gonna kind of like bring you down to reality you know so uh, I, I keep trying to get like new hobbies and, and try new things and, you know, like, I mean, uh, uh, embrace new challenges and to keep that feeling of what it is to be a beginner, you know, like, and, and to suck at something. Because that way, I think I would always be like uh, sympathetic and kind, you know, like, I mean, to the beginners that come to my school and be much more tolerant when they make mistakes. Wow, that is an amazing perspective. Um... I think that's a lesson for all of us and you know just like not being comfortable and and trying new things i want to be respectful of your time because we are coming up on up on the hour so i just want to say you know dr fernandez thank you so much for um even agreeing with me and you know i'm just a med student here just you know trying to interview people but i really do appreciate your time and and uh, consideration for this so um i'll leave it up to you if you have any final words or any final thoughts uh, no, I'd just like to thank you, man. You know, it was a, it was a great chat. And uh, I actually started a podcast myself, you know, like I mean, to, on, on the ophthalmology field. Uh, it's called like broadeye.org. Uh, if you might want to check it out. Yes, please. Uh, it's, it's very casual as well. You know, like I mean, the whole idea is to, to bridge that gap between the, the medical and scientific knowledge and put it into words that like normal people can understand you know uh so that's kind of like my the new project that i'm involved on the medical side of things and uh you know if i can give some advice to to, to medical students you know like just don't buy into that bullshit that you cannot do anything else that you have to focus 100 percent on your medical career right like i mean that's 100 percent wrong like i mean having other hobbies and having a life outside of medicine it's not only possible, but it's super necessary for you to maintain a healthy mind and uh, and uh, and then I mean continue to be a good person. You know, there's life outside of medicine, so you don't wanna you don't wanna forget that. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the lessons we have learned from Dr. Fernandez, like not being afraid of starting new things and sucking at them, and getting out of your comfort zone. Make sure to check out the podcast website at www behindthewhitecoatpodcast.com You can also find Dr. Fernandez's podcast at www.broadeye.org 
You can also find the links in the description. I'd like to thank the Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University for their support, as well as David DeRoche and the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. Thanks for joining me and I hope you subscribe to get notified for future episodes.